Welcome to the Share Life Podcast with Jason Scott Montoya, where we explore stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to another special edition of the, special, of the Share Life Podcast. I'm Jason Scott Montoya, and we're in an ongoing podcast series as part of the discovery process for my next book, From the Garden to the Cross, How Jesus's Harrowing Journey Shows Us the Way. In this discussion, we're reflecting on the moments after Jesus was sentenced to be crucified, where Simon is, re- Simon is recruited to carry the cross and follow um, as following the crying, weeping women behind Jesus. Um, for, for those just following along in this series, this event takes place after Jesus's agonizing prayer in the garden, after his middle of the night arrest, um, the betrayal by Judas, a night of scheming to find a way to sentence Jesus to death by the religious leaders, the three denials by Peter, the death of Judas, Pilate asking Jesus about truth, Herod directing Jesus to entertain him and his guests, and most recently, Pilate washing his hands of responsibility on the matter. So we're going to jump into the my harmonization of the story, um, and then we'll explore that story through the following questions. What can we learn about Jesus, humanity, and ourselves from this moment in time, and how does it apply to our lives. So before I do that, I would like to introduce my guests. I'm here with Jason Allison and Benji. Uh, Jason, say hello. Hello, everyone. Jason Long, Jason Long is a newly minted father, solver of problems, serial business building entrepreneur, CEO of Experience Care, world traveler, and a community-involved citizen. Allison, say hello. Hello. Allison Miller is an author who is pointing women towards Jesus while also mentoring them on how to practically flourish in their life, relationships, and dreams. Benji, say hello. Hey, how you doing? Benji Hollis is the vice president of sales for the annual Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl and is also involved in a leukemia legacy fund inspired by his daughter, Anna Charles, a devastating battle with cancer that brought him to Jesus. So let's go ahead and jump in. I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to read this passage. And then we'll start uh, discussing it. So let me go ahead and share my screen and make sure that uh, you all can see it. All right. Do you see my uh, this, the passage here? Yep. All right. Carrying his cross is what I've labeled it. So Pilate, the Roman governor, sentenced Jesus to die by crucifixion, backed by the religious leader's direction and the crowd's insistence. As they chanted, responded responsibility upon themselves and their children for Jesus's death sentence. Upon conviction, Jesus was guided away to carry his cross to the place of the skull, known in Hebrew as Golgotha. Struggling to bear his cross for the entirety of the journey due to his condition from the scourging, Jesus was unable to carry it any further. The Roman soldiers forced a passerby from the countryside named Simon of Cyrene and a father of Alexander and Rufus to carry Jesus' cross for the remainder of the trek to Golgotha following Jesus along the way. A large crowd trailed behind them, including numerous weeping women. Jesus turned to and spoke to them. Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not been born, a child and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? As Jesus was led to the place of the skull with Simon carrying his cross from behind, the two other rebel criminals sentenced to the same fate were ushered to the crucifixion site. So I'm going to start with mm-hmm. you, Benji. Um, there's a, 
it's a short passage, but there's actually a lot that I connect with. Um, and, and we're going to dive into that. Um, I think one thing that's interesting for me is the fact that um, Simon, it, it almost seems like accidental, like he's traveling, happens to be at the wrong spot at the wrong time, and the Romans say, hey, you, we need your help. Um, so that's something that kind of stuck out for me. But Benji, what, what is, uh, what's, what's going on with you? <laughs> what's going on? Oh, we don't have <laughs> enough time on this call. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, you had said wrong place at the wrong time. Um, I always just put everything under the sovereignty of and providence of of God. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting when you go back and you read through through these passages. Um, there's not really a whole lot that is that is said about about. Um, about Simon, um, yeah. There's there's not a whole lot there, um, other than he was from. I guess what if you look at the notes, he was he was likely a Jew who was from North yeah. Africa, and he was there traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover. Mm -hmm. um, I there's so many different directions that you can go in this, um, but I think if if we were to apply it to what we are walking through today and what it means for, for my faith, um, you know, Jesus stood up there in this, this path of suffering and um, voluntarily given his life over. I think it's just a, a good picture of um, what we all must do, which is carry, <laughs> carry our cross, carry, um what he has done for us yeah um you know when we were originally when we were talking you had sent me information and i guess this is why i'm a little bit confused you had sent me information on the silence of jesus oh, okay yeah um so that, no but this is good right here yeah um because it's made me go back and read just through all the different passages and some of the old testament and everything yeah um and the as jesus sat there silent when he was silent um thinking about what was about to happen um it's so easy at this day and age to forget that that he voluntarily gave up his life for us um and then after praying in the garden he fully um entrusted god the father for um to for his will to be put upon him. And I think it's so easy at this day and age for us to gloss over the gospels and what Jesus did for us. Um, but I also think that Simon picking up the cross and carrying it too is just also a good representation that um, we all still have our own cross to bear um, when it comes to to our, our salvation. I mean, it's a gift. Um, but I know from my own story and, and, and my walk with Christ, um, I've had to <laughs> pick up my cross and carry it. But the reason I know that I can do it is because he stood there um, in judgment for me. So. Yeah. Jason, my fellow Jason, um, 
I'm glad say? that you got the uh, the green shirt uh, memo today as well, Jason. Oh, yeah. We're matching. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so for you when you read the, or when you hear this. Read so I, I think it's important to preface my uh, my reading of this with um, that I don't come from a uh, Christian background as much. So my my family uh, is Jewish, and I'm an atheist. And uh, while part of my family is Christian as well, I, I have a very different uh, angle on it, like a worldview on it. Um, that said, I've, I've read um, a lot of the Old Testament, having come from a Jewish background, but uh, I actually had to go back and read uh, this section and a few other, the, the, this, the sections before and after uh, this part of the, of the New Testament to re-familiarize myself. It's been a few years since I've read the New Testament. So, um, so yeah, so I, I had a few things to say about this. Um, you know, I think that, let's start off with the part about carrying, carrying the cross, uh, about Simon. And I really liked what you said about it being a gift. You know, I, so I'm going to kind of shift between worldviews for a second, like try to put myself more in your position from, from the angle of believing in Jesus and kind of shift in and out of that. But uh, one way or another, I think it's a beautiful metaphor for, for carrying something, you know, you, you, not even a metaphor, it's true, carrying something for somebody else. In, in the Jewish tradition, um, one of the best things you can do is – a, a favor or a gift for someone who will never return it for you, taking care of someone who's dying, taking care of, you know, like helping bury someone. It's the last thing you can do and they'll never give you anything back. And so I think that there's something to be said about this here. Now, obviously Simon was made to do this and he didn't have much of a choice, but, you know, I think that, um, I, I th let's just pretend he did for a minute and I, maybe he, I, I don't he see he ran away. <laughs> yeah. He could have run away. He could have said, no, he could have done a lot of things. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, assuming that, that he had some kind of choice, um, you know, I think that it says it's, it's a, it's a great, a great thing to do. And it's a great gift to give someone and it's a great gift to give yourself to care for someone who can give you nothing. And I think that, that that's something that should be taken from this, uh, that particular piece. Um, the next, though, I, 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 what, what Jesus says to the people, I, I'm more disconnected with. Like, you know, like, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves, for your children. Um, fortunate are those that, uh, that are childless and, you know, all of that. It, it honestly, it seems a little bit like a threat. It, it seems it seems a bit threatening, and um, you know I, I understand the angle where he's like, you know, you're going to do this when things are good. What about what are you going to do when things are bad? Which, like the the metaphor there is, is a great metaphor. I just I didn't really like the way it came across. And I know that like, you know, giving like a book report on what Jesus said is maybe not, maybe not what you're looking for on this. Uh, but, um, but I, I found it interesting how, how it was a little bit of a, of a, of a, you know, you think, you know, you're doing this when things are bad, like wait till you see what's next. Um, I, yeah. I don't know. Like I, I struggled, I struggle with that piece. Like if I, if I move myself into a Christian worldview, I feel like I would struggle a lot with that uh, because, I, like, it does, like I said, it feels a bit uh, threatening. Might be a, too much, a, too harsh of a word, but I, I don't know what he's trying to like. It's like 
he's not saying why are you doing this or he's not saying yeah. you know what what um you know do this you know don't do this for yourselves you're saying it's already too late you've already done this thing i mean i i don't know it, it yeah, i struggle yeah. with that piece quite a bit um yeah. and then and and I, I think just to add to that just slightly and i i'd like to dive into that more a little bit later but i want to sure. give allison a chance i would just say i think even to them to the women i would have imagined it would have been kind of offensive it, yeah. it, i would have felt like wow we're we're showing pity to you and you're rebuking us like there's something there that's that's i think is appropriate in your response at, at a surface level yeah it may maybe it shows maybe it shows a little bit of the human side of jesus maybe maybe this is somebody uh you know i i i struggle with the the aspect of the trinity but but putting that aside maybe this is the human side of, of someone who's been who's been uh who's going to, whose life is going to end very soon and who's in terrible pain uh being human you know i i, I think that maybe that's that's there a little bit um See two other, and then the, the other part about the the other the rebels, the other criminals that were that were uh, crucified with Jesus. I I don't know, you know, they're they're walking together, and I think that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of meaning there as well. And I think that maybe we you're going to talk about that in a future uh, future podcast where you talk about them being uh, crucified together. Um, and I think there's a lot that's been said about that. So that's that's my take on this uh, on this verse. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Allison, uh, what are your well, thoughts? Well, um, first of all, I'd like to piggyback on what both Benji and Jason said um, about, um, you know, Simon carrying the cross for Jesus. Um, the first thing that really that stood out to me and, the, and also, you know, the women, the words that were spoken to the women. So I want to just touch real quick on... Um, uh, Simon carrying the cross and you know if he was forced to do it he was if not he wasn't but he did it and for me it was number one that there was mercy shown for Jesus there was understanding that he was so weak after what he had been through that he could not carry the cross any further and they allowed somebody else to come in and do that for him um, to help him get to where he was headed. Um, you know, I think about that in our own lives. And I think about um, our friendships, our brothers and sisters, each one of us, you know, when we go through difficulties in life, we're there for one another and we help each other carry our crosses. And so that, that kind of stood out to me from the aspect of it is a gift to be able to do that. And it is a gift for us to be able to be present in the lives of our friends for that. And, and I, I would add to that, that it, it's his example of allowing someone to help him. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, although we could certainly debate about how much he really allowed it, but, um, right. but that idea of allowing people to help us, because a lot of times we, we might need help, but we reject it. Right. We don't ask or yeah. we reject it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either one. Yeah. yeah. That's good yes, exactly. Um, so that's um, the thoughts I had about that. And then, and then also just briefly that Simon's sons were mentioned there. Um, and why were they? Because they really didn't have anything to do with it. So um, 
I did a little, you know, reading and, and came to learn that the reason that they believe that the reason the sons were named in Mark was because they were a witness to what Mark had written. And, um, but if you go to um, the words that Jesus spoke to the women, I don't know. I didn't take it as offensive. Me neither. Um, I, I am a mom and um, I have watched my daughters suffer. I've watched, I've seen my own suffering in my life. I've seen, you know, just through understanding and through my relationship with Jesus and understand his suffering, which I cannot even relate to. Um, but I feel like Jesus was looking at these women who were the daughters of Jerusalem. I mean, they were from Jerusalem and, um, he was saying, you know, my suffering is great. It's terrible. And I'm sorry, you know, that you're weeping, but don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your own children, because there will always be suffering. And I believe too, that within the context of this message, um, you know, as a mom, when I see my children suffer, it's tangible, it's physical, I'm here and I can see their suffering and it breaks my heart when I see them suffer. Now I also think about, you know, from a, a different viewpoint of how God weeps and cries when we suffer. Um, but if you did any, um, you know, digging on this verse and this scripture, I found that um, in Hosea, Hosea 10, 8, that um, Hosea prophesied a portion of this verse, um, like 700 and some odd years before Christ was born. And, um, and it was the part about that um, people will beg the mountains, fall on us and plead with the hills bury us for if these things are done with it when the tree is green what will happen when it is dry and it made me think about not so much that things are good right then because I don't think things were too good for those people um I look at what's going on in the world today and I see the suffering that and has been since the beginning of the Jewish people and, you know, I'm very grateful for the relationship um, with Jesus, who was Jewish. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting to me that because we have this, um, ongoing, I don't want to say vendetta, but plight, I don't know the right word for it, but of, you know, really of bringing an end to, to the Jewish people, um, that it's an example of, hey, you know, there is going to be suffering to be had. And if you 
love me and you follow me, there will be suffering. And it's not necessarily, and I don't really understand all this. I only know that through my relationship, the suffering that we do experience is something that makes us stronger and, and closer. Um, but, but those are the things that really stood out to me and made me go, hmm, you know, as a mom and as a, as a believer. Yeah. I'd like to piggyback off, piggyback off of that. Um, <laughs> you know, when you think back, back to it, I mean, the disciples and, um, the authors of the gospels who were Jewish, um, you know, you, re you read these gospels and you see, um, how Jesus died alone, how everybody deserted him. Um, up until the time he hung on the cross, um, you know, Peter, obviously he scurried away. Um, and, in shame. And, and might we, might we note that he made sure to let Jesus know that he would never do that. Right. right. That was exactly <laughs> correct, what correct. he did. And then all these guys after Jesus was um crucified they were all hiding and then you know the women came running sharing the news that they saw the risen jesus um and then the the rest of the story from there i mean these guys these people were willing to give up their lives to to die um so you know, something happened there. We can call it group hallucinations or, or, or whatever, but these people were moved. Something changed them. And I know personally for me, sitting in that hospital, watching my daughter die, um, it'll make you read scripture. It'll make you pray. You will search for any peace that you can have. When you watch your daughter fight cancer, leukemia, get paralyzed, it makes reading the Bible, it makes praying, um, it takes it to a whole new level. The things that we may read as, as metaphors and poetry become living and they become true. And the hope that Jesus and the gospels have given to me are life-saving. Um, it's not just a story to me. I'm 47 years old and in that hospital, Christ saved me. And through the suffering, I found blessings and, um, I've read a lot of stuff in my life and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried to come to Christ, but it's in the suffering and in my pain of watching my daughter go through what she went through that I found hope and you know to me it's 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 been life-changing it's it's not just been a story um so I just wanted to add that I gotta shut my door real quick because my dog's about to run in here <laughs> well there's yeah there's there's a lot to to dive into here and I think start to peel apart um I think kind of going to Simon 
I, I think one of the things I think is helpful to to kind of realize the gravity of, of particularly his plight is that the crucifixion was horrifying. Um, I don't, I don't, we don't quite get the horror of it. Uh, not just what happened, but the smells and, and just the degradation, the, 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 the whole thing was designed to make, uh, to, 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 to essentially demonstrate that this person is less than human. They're, an, they're not even worthy of being a human. They're an animal. Uh, Rome wouldn't, they would not crucify Roman citizens. This was only used for barbarians and rebels and, and outsiders. And so there's an interesting dynamic there between Simon, who is put into the situation and, and there is a huge tension there that I, that I think is hard to really grasp, which is, is that um, he is being, for at least a few moments, he is being um, imbued or, or, or um, overlapped as, as a crucified rebel, right? He's obviously not being crucified at the end, but he's having to carry the cross for a bit, and he's associated with that. And I think one of the interesting things for me right now I think generally I've, I've thought about Simon carrying the cross as a, almost as a, like, like we talked about a willingness. He willingly did it. He willingly picked up that burden. And I can relate to that in a lot of ways. And I think that's something that we could do, but where I am now, like just, I've been on a lot of, like you were saying, Benji, like just a lot of, I've gone through a lot of difficult things and it is kind of hard sometimes to reconcile the crosses that I've been recruited to carry that I didn't ever sign up for. <laughs> I didn't ask for this, for this burden, for this responsibility. Um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into in this situation or this relationship. And now I'm, now I have a choice. Like, do I drop the cross and run or do I keep carrying it? Um, uh, Jason, I'm going to throw it at you. Um, at what, when you really kind of lean into that, that idea of, of carrying that responsibility, carrying that burden, that choice we have of whether or not to do it or not, whether we're compelled to, or whether we volunteer, you know, what would you add to that? You know, I think, I, I can think of a number of situations in my life where you, you get started doing something and you realize that it's a good thing. Hmm. And then even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's difficult, even though you don't have to do it, uh, even though it, it's, it's time consuming or costly, or it's taking away from other really important pieces of your life. I think that it, for me, at least, there've been a number of times where I realized this is a great thing and I can't stop. I, I, you know, I can do it different but I can't stop now. And, uh, and I think that this is a, a great metaphor for that, that, uh, that, so, that very often, you know, you find yourself in situations like that where you are, um, you know, you're put into this, this position that to do, some, to do something good, you know, and actually I can, I have a, a really direct uh, story about that right now. Um, I recently took over as a CEO of a healthcare company, healthcare tech company, I did it for a private equity uh, group as as a, uh, for higher CEO, and um, 
you know, at first, you know, it's about money. It's, it's about, you know, I, I came off of my businesses to come over and, and lead this company, but I, multiple times now I've had this, uh, this conversation with people where I've said, you know, m- my businesses, they solve good problems, but this is not world changing. I'm not, I'm not literally helping someone live a better life that's dying. I, I'm not, I, my actions through my other businesses cannot give respite to people that have nothing left. But here in this position, I can, and I can do it for millions of people. And so this, there's this, this, this story, this conversation that's happening now between my partner and I, where she's saying, why are you doing this? Why are you killing yourself? Why are you working 80 hours a week at this business, you don't have to do that. We make plenty of money. You have all of these other businesses. You have all of these other things. You could just quit. You know, you could you could finish the, the amount of time that you agreed to do and you could be done. And, but now that I'm here and I'm in this position, I'm struggling very hard to, 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 to think about that, to, to, you know, like instead of looking towards what's my next, my next thing, what's my next adventure, What's my next, you know, endeavor, or where am I going to go back to one of my other businesses? Um, I'm looking at ways that I can continue this, but the the flip side of that is at what cost? You know, I have a baby daughter. I'm in my 40s. You know, I I um, I have heart problems. I you know, I'm not I'm not going to live forever. And what is that time worth? You know, what what is what is my 40s worth? If I if I do this then I, I'm going to devote that time to that and not to my daughter. And so, you know, that, that kind of, that, that carrying the cross comes with, it's kind of a double-edged sword in a lot of ways. And uh, I, I think that it's a great metaphor for humanity because we're put in these kinds of positions all the time. And um, yeah, I think that's a, that would be my thought on that. Yeah. Allison, what would you add to that? Mm. (laughs) Well, I just think about the responsibility of, you know, just specifically what you're speaking of, Jason, on you and the Jason Long and the, um, the stress that comes with that and the pressure in your life to, to do something that you really do love doing it it's just you've got that whisper beside you saying hey why are you doing this it's so it's so many hours it's so difficult it's not good for your health it's not good and you know I think about I know that you have to support your family and um, everyone does every you know it's it's a it's something that's come to you. It's something that you do. Um, and it is, it makes provision. Um, but I think about the peace of your life also and of your family and the importance of, because I have such an affinity to help women see the importance and value of raising their children in um, a way that will bring them into being healthy adults. And I think about the absence of my own father um, growing up because of work. It wasn't because he wasn't there. 
it was because of work and how I'm 62 years old now and for years struggled with um, the lack of presence uh, in my life. And I don't think that's just my story. I think it's a lot of people's stories. And mm -hmm. so I can, you know, I have a lot of empathy for you because I know that's a difficult, challenging decision. Um, when I think about that in terms of carrying a cross, yeah, you know, it is, it is. I think too, when I go back to, if we're go back to Simon and his, his choice or force, whichever it was to carry that cross for Jesus or for Jesus himself to begin doing it, even in the pain and suffering that he was in. Um, it's, it's, it's an example, I think of, um, we're going to go through tough times and we're going to have heavy burdens to carry and we're going to have hard decisions to make. And we don't know what the end result is going to be based on the decisions that we have in front of us right now. We can only hope that we're making decisions that um, are good for, I say the whole, because it's not just about ourselves. Um, but when I think about that, I think that, you know, it's every day we get up and carry our cross in different situations. And there are big ones and there are small ones. Uh, I mean, it's sometimes just, you know, not, not opening your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and yeah, what you said about um, not knowing the end outcome is, um, is really interesting because we can carry that cross you know, I, I think about a situation, so uh, probably like five years ago, a friend of mine was having marital difficulties. And, um, and I said, hey, you know, let's get together. Let's read this book and let's go through this book and just get together regularly. And we, we really kind of wrestled with so many different things and, um, and was able to help, care, help him carry that cross. Um, but the outcome didn't change the trajectory of that marriage. It still failed. And, um, and so it's, you know, I guess back to your point, Jason, earlier, like doing something that someone, um, can't return, right. It's, it's, it's a matter of our willing to sort of take that up regardless of knowing the outcome or regardless of knowing how that might be reciprocated or not, or how that might affect them or not. Right. Yeah. Benji. Yeah. You know, you, you, how, how do you reconcile the, with, with your story and your, your situations? You, it's not like you chose those. No. Um, the crosses I, were, were given to you and, and I know you, you see them in, in a couple of different ways, but, but how do you handle that? I mean, I'm thankful certain, for them. Yeah. I, I wasn't, my dad died when I was 19 years old. He dropped dead of a heart attack playing tennis. And I was raised in a Christian home, but we didn't go to church every, every Sunday. We didn't read the Bible. I thought I knew what it meant. I, I knew what the, the gospels were. I thought I believed. Um, when my dad died, I um, was filled up with anger and bitterness. 
and I was going to just succeed, succeed, make as much money as I can. But in turn, I, I didn't walk through any grief. I walked around it with a bitter heart. And then it, it really affected me. I was mad. I was mad at God. Um, and, but I still had that peace that was there. Um, and then I had two beautiful baby girls that weren't easy to have. <laughs> and I thought my life was set. I had gotten through my dad dying. I married way above myself. <laughs> she might not say the same thing. Um, <laughs> I had two beautiful girls. Um, but yeah, I do remember my dad died of a heart attack. I'm, I was 44 years old. I was 43. So my dad died when he was 44. I was 19. So after I had my girls, life became a little bit more different for me because it wasn't all about myself. It was about them. Um, but I started figuring out I had no hope at all. And I started looking at that number 43, 44 number being, and I was 43 and worried about what happened if I died, if I died, the lights were just going to go out and I wasn't going to exist. Was my, were my daughters going to think of me? Have I left a legacy for them to think of me? And it scared that it just scared me to death and, um, panic attacks, everything. And then my daughter got sick um, and it was April 15th was when she got sick. And we found out, took an emergency room at Choa, found out she had acute myeloid leukemia and um, which is the rarest kind. And the next day, April 16th was my birthday, the day that I turned 44 years old, the same age that my dad died. And I could just feel, just feel this, this shame on myself because I could hear just God, not audibly, but just telling me um, all along, you've been worried about yourself and you dying. It's your child. Mm. And um, that's when I, I went out and I went and bought a Bible. I met with a lot of pastors and a lot of people that had walked where, where we were walking. And I just decided in that, in that hospital, of course, with the nudging <laughs> the Holy Spirit, that I was going to give my life to Christ. And I was going to do everything that I could do to save her, which is nothing. I was going to pray and I was going to pray and I was going to read scripture and read scripture. And we all want to know what happens. Why didn't God sit down and tell us what's going to happen? because we couldn't handle it if he did. And if he would have told me, hey, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna stay in here for six months. You're gonna pray and you're gonna read and your little girl, you're gonna talk about her. Cause she asked me, daddy, what happens when I die? What do you tell a little girl if you don't have any hope that's sick? What happens? So I said, do you love Jesus? And she said, yes, sir. I said, well, then you're great. I said, well, you're, if you believe in him, you, you, you won't die. You're absent from the body present with the Lord. And she looked at me and she goes, okay, daddy, thank you. Hmm. Um, and then she passed away one month later. And I thank God every day for this cross that he gave to me, because if it's truly an eternal perspective, 
then I was a dead man walking the entire time. And my little girl brought me to Christ, therefore saving my life. And I get up every day thanking God for the struggles that he has given me and for the hope that I have found through it. And had I not gone through it, had she not gone through it, I'd have no hope. I'd have no fulfillment at all. And I've found all that in Christ. And, you know, I, I, it says to give thanks in all circumstances. I used to think that it said give thanks for all circumstances. Those three little letters. But it's in, two, <laughs> in all circumstances. So every day I get up, I thank God for his love for us and what he did and for the hope that he gave my daughter and that he continued to give, gives me. And it's the same hope that I want to give to others who are struggling and suffering because I've seen it. I've seen it. He's changed my life. He's changed my, my, my wife's life. Um, I walked into that hospital with no faith and I walked out without my daughter on a path to, to hope. So it, the, the gospel of the cross means everything to me. Yeah. It means everything to me. And I want to share that with as many people as I can. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I, uh, I think, you know, with, there's a lot that comes to mind. One of them is what is it about suffering? There, there's a, there's a, there's a connection between the Christian life and the suffering. Um, but I think, and perhaps Jason, you could speak to this. I think you could probably make a case that the Christians you you've seen or experienced, they don't bear that cross very well. Um, or maybe they do. I don't know. What's your, what's your experience been like? So Oh, that's a great question. That's a deep question, man. Uh, so a little bit of history on that. So I grew up Jewish in a, in a Christian society. And, um, you know, I, I've spoken many times about how growing up as a child, Jewish child in a, in a, in a Christian society, I, I suffered for that. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the, and, and I, what, like, what do you mean by that? Like just being an outcast? Oh, just like being an real... outcast, being, being, um, being teased, being, you know, being an outcast, like very much mm. being an outcast. And like to the point where, you know, in certain places where I moved, uh, people wouldn't talk to me, they wouldn't associate with it. It's being an outcast pretty much. But then also, you know, not just externally, but kind of internally as well, because that, that affects you in a lot of ways, you know? And um, I, I didn't, it, it wasn't until I was much older that I realized that that's not really very, that's not a Christian thing to do. But when you are, when you're a child, you don't know that. Or when you're an outsider, you don't know that. You know, you, you, don't, you don't understand the difference between, um, let's call it uh, Southern Christian culture yeah. and Christianity. And, and, and where were you, where did you grow up? What's, what area? Uh, so I, the deep south, Midway, Georgia, right. Savannah, Georgia, outside mm -hmm. of Savannah, uh, Brunswick, uh, and Myrtle Beach. I moved around a lot as a kid. Yeah. Uh, but I would say, you know, country, the country, the 
country, man. Uh, and uh, th- there's not a lot of uh, among among adults as well. By the way, this is not a, yeah. it's just a child thing. But I found as a child there was not very much grace among the adults as well as the children, and um, it took me a long time to realize that 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 there's a difference between Southern Christian culture and Christianity. Uh, and in a, in a lot of ways, and and I think it's quite unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason, can you explain to me go a little bit deeper into that if you don't mind? I'm just curious. It's like because I hear that all the time. Honestly, I just had lunch today with a friend that said the same thing. He, um, you know, he he doesn't go to church, and he kind of stopped believing because his mother got divorced, and they went to a Baptist church, and people told him that they were going to go to hell. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, and, you know, people are, people are rough, um, yep. you know, and um, so I, 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 hate have, that, I, can... I hate that for you. So I was just curious, just like what, when you say the Christian way, um, I give you a great, this is a, the, probably the best story that I've got to, um, <laughs> to illustrate this. Perfect. This is how I got kicked out of uh, Sunday school. Uh, so, so I was, um, yeah, so, so my dad's side of the family is Southern Baptist okay. and, and my grandparents were like, kind of like fire and brimstone, my grandmother, not my grandfather, my grand grandmother on my dad's side was kind of like grew up in a uh, fire and brimstone Southern Baptist church. My mom's side of the family, Northern Jews, uh, and, and Jews that by the way, lost almost everything to the Holocaust. Like both sides of my family, with the exception of my grandmother and my grandfather and their direct siblings, everyone else is gone. There's nothing left. All the rest of the family has gone. They were wiped out in the Holocaust. So two very different backgrounds here um, coming together. And so when I was a child, I went to synagogue on Saturdays and I went to church on Sundays. And um, there was one Sunday, and keep, I was 11 or 12 years old. I was, I was no scholar of the Bible at this point, and I'm sure I was probably an insolent 11 or 12-year-old as well. Um, so not too insolent. I would say um, cerebral, but also a little, a little insolent. Uh, so, and so on Saturday, in, in the Jewish tradition, they take a section of the Torah every, every week, and they, they, they do very similar to what, what you do in, in church. They take a particular verse and they analyze it and they talk about it. They talk about the meaning of that. And, um, and they, and, but we do it in, 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 in this particular synagogue, we did it in Hebrew. And so we were, the, the people there could read the Hebrew. Like, and I was a Jewish school at the time. So I was studying Hebrew. I could read the ancient Hebrew. I knew what it meant. I, I wouldn't say like I was a scholar of Hebrew, but I had a pretty good understanding. And, um, the next day, we looked at the same verse in Sunday school, and I don't. I wish so much I could remember what verse it was. I really, really do, and I'm sure it was. It was a very surface kind of thing, but I it it struck me like in Sunday school, I was like, "That's not what it says." That's not what it says. Like I, I remember saying to the to the teacher, I was like, "What what you're saying is good. The message you're delivering is good, but you're basing." a fundamental mes- message on something that doesn't say that. 
Like I just got done studying it. Like I just got done studying all of the different ways you can in interpret this particular verse. I just got done studying all of the different ways that you could say, because, you know, if you change the vowels, like, so mm -hmm. in ancient Hebrew, there's no vowels written in. And so yeah. you, this could be an A or this could be a V. This could be a, like, there's, there's things like that. That's hard to tell. So you have to, you have to infer what that, what that is. And so, but, but there was no, there was no question from, from my 12 year old, 11 year old mind that it wasn't, it was not saying the same thing. And I pointed out, I was like, this isn't the same. You're, you're, it says this, I can show you the Hebrew. It's, it's not what, like, what you're saying is good, but it doesn't, it's not what it says. And the answer to that was, that's great. Thank you very much. You can't come back. That's the end. Went mm -hmm. to the, to the pastor, was not welcome back in Sunday school. There was no conversation about, this was not the, the discussion of a verse in the Bible, this was the indoctrination of, of children into this. And anything that was outside of that was not acceptable. And that same um, structure is when you're inside the structure, you don't see it. But as soon as you're outside of it, you just see the walls of the structure. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's very much the difference is that people are like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And you're like, it's because you're on the inside. But as soon as, as soon as you break with that, and especially that, like I said, it was a very rigid structure. I think that Christianity today is a lot different than Christianity 30 yeah. years ago was. And so, but there's still that structure in place. Maybe it's a more squishy structure and then it was more <laughs> rigid. Yeah. But, but that's a great, uh, that's a great analogy for, for the, the, that's a great metaphor for what that structure is and how I, I started more to feel on the outside of it. But that same feeling of we're not tolerating anything outside of what this is, right. it is the foundation of what creates that wall between the, those believers and those, those people that maybe sometimes believe, sometimes don't believe. And in fact, I have one of the very brief story. I dated somebody uh, just after college who she didn't know if she believed in Jesus and, you know, and, but she went to this church and she really liked the church. And so, but eventually she decided that she didn't really believe in Jesus, that she was a scientist and she had this really difficult thing bringing together science and religion. Mm. And, and she was a great, she was like top 5% microbiologist in the U S scientist. Mm. And one day she's talking to the pastor and she says, I just don't believe, I don't think I believe in Jesus anymore, but I want to keep coming to the church. This was, this was not long ago. This was six or eight, eight, nine years ago. And they said, no, you can't come back. You're not a Christian. All right. And these were people that she really cared about and people that supposedly really cared about her. And they just, put up the wall, excluded her. You're done. Yeah. You can't come back. That's, that's what happens. Right. But that, Jason, that, I, I would have said you need to look for another church. Um, the church is full of sinners and, and I, you know, <laughs> I hate it that you went through that. I can tell that it's left a, a horrible impression on you. And, you know, not all churches are like that. Not all Christians are like that. It's the same ways sometimes we're all in here somewhere you're just in a different here yeah and i'm glad to be having this conversation with you because not all atheists are the same either of course but it's easier to to paint with the broad brush and the common denominator here is people man and we all have hearts and feelings and i hate it that you were put in that position and I had to go through that 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 would have been a good 
um, signal to find another church and a new pastor. Well, uh, but I think part of the point that you're making, Jason, is it wasn't like a one-off thing. It was. No, it's, it's an over and over and over. I moved to many, I I moved 19 times before I turned before sixth grade. I don't know what the age, 11 years old. I moved a lot. My, my, my grandfather, uh, owned hotels and he would send my mom and my dad up to, right. to help fix them when there were problems. And we moved a lot. And when I, especially in the South, so the first question as a child, when you come into school is what church do you go to? And you say, I'm Jewish. And all of a sudden, nobody wants to talk to you. And that happens over and over and over again. And you get to, you get, you, you know what, this is actually a great metaphor for carrying a cross. I think that this, yeah. because this is a great gift that was given to me is to, be able to to have have that experience and be able to recognize it and, and come to terms with the fact that that's not christianity right yeah i it's agree not. jason yeah. i agree and with you i'm so sorry that those things happened to you i know i've had my own experiences as a christian um or believing that i was a christian um and um, failing in certain things um, and, and not living up to the standard of someone else in the church. And so you're not accepted. And yeah. uh, that's really not what Jesus was about at all and what he mentored for us. And I love that, you know, Hebrew yeah. and the meaning of it. And I think about, you know, um, believers and I think about our our Bible that we have. And I think about the audience of that Bible and the people that were speaking and they were all coming from a Jewish background with a Hebrew, you know, the whole culture was that, I mean, the things that were going on then everything. And the sadness of what you're telling me is that you were actually somebody that knew exactly Mm -hmm. where this person was messed up and was leading, misguiding, not intentionally believing that he knew the right answer, but pride got in the way (laughs) for him. And he wasn't going to allow a child to know more than Mm -hmm. him. Um, But I'm really exploring a lot of that now on my own. Um, and really understand so much more about, you know, what the word means versus what somebody tells me. And I think that's, you know, doing your own work and discovering um, the true meaning of the word and why it was spoken and what it really means for us today. I'm sorry you got hurt like that. There's so many people, there's so many people that get hurt that way. And it's very unfortunate, but there's so many people out there believing Mm -hmm. that they are living an authentic Christian life and they are not. And I'm not judging them. I'm just saying they're not living out of the love and truth and grace that was really given to us through Jesus. Yeah, very well put. Hey, do you have any pointers on Hebrew? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, starting, I, I, I'm doing biblical studies now at Southern Evangelical Seminary. So 
I've got Hebrew and Greek coming up for the next two wow. years. So it, maybe I can get you as a tutor. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a, a good, one good recommendation. Uh, don't stop doing it for 20 years like I did, or you'll completely oh, wow. forget all of it. Oh. So uh, yeah, I oh, still, man. I can remember the letters and I can remember the, you know, a few words, but you know, this was, uh, this was yeah. 30 years ago now. Yeah. So uh, I haven't actually spoken Hebrew and I actually have a friend of mine who's, who's Israeli and uh, he was talking yeah. to me in Hebrew and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> Say what? I, yeah. I gotta tell you though, I, I do find it fascinating too. And just to touch on what Allison said, pride is a bad thing, man. And I think we all suffer and struggle with it. But, um, and I think you well, find that in a lot of churches today too, though, just the Sunday school lessons and the things that, that we're teaching um, from the Bible. It's more about morals um, instead of it being about Christ and the love of God and, and the way that he's made for us. And so. Well, and, and I, I know for me and, the re- a lot of the regrets I have is when I, when I threw down that cross at the expense of somebody else and, and doing things to, to hurt people, um, mm-hmm. to wound them, um, in, in a variety of contexts, but, um, you know, there, there's something really interesting here. That's kind of that I'm connecting the dots to, um, between the responsibility and the, and the second part. So, that when he's talking to the, the women, I think what's happening is they're misdirecting their pity. <laughs> yes. And I think it's like you, you guys have said, the cross is actually a gift. And so to pity me for carrying it, it's, if that's my mission, like it'd be like me pitying you, Jason, for, for being the CEO, because it's very hard and difficult, but you've, but if you've taken that and Benji, you've taken your cross and else like, it's one thing to be pitied for something I choose to do. That's hard. It's like someone pitying someone that's doing an Ironman. Right. But they've, they've chosen that mission. Yeah. And there's something interesting about misdirected pity that I, I, I don't know what that is yet, but that's something that comes to yeah. mind here. Anyone have something to throw in on that? Yeah. I, I would just say that you know, it's interesting because they're sitting there and, and they are, they're weeping and they're crying. And it looks like he's totally out of control of what's going on. But he's saying, hey, if you only knew, if you knew who I am and knew what is before you and, the, and what I can give you, you wouldn't be, you know, you're crying for me, cry for yourselves. Because forgiveness is right here. Mm. It's right here. Yeah. And I think that's what he's saying. I don't think it's as much of a threat. I think it probably comes off that way. And I can see where people would take it as a threat. But he's saying, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves because I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm doing this for you. I'm dying up here for you. I, I've, I'm voluntarily giving my life for you. I didn't have to do this. And I, and I, I yeah. think that's what he's saying. Yeah, and I think there's a there's two interesting things. I'll, I'll just information tidbits that I think are interesting here is, and I, I put this at the beginning. Nice, um, when Jesus is before Pilate and he goes to the crowd and says, "Hey, um, I I shed responsibility. I'm washing my hands <laughs> of responsibility," and they chant, yeah. "We take responsibility. We take responsibility." Yeah. And for our children. 
And I don't know how much that's connected to what's said here, but it happens right before. So it seems like there's some connection thread there that might be worth exploring. And, and then for us having history behind us, you know, it was within 30 years of, or 40 years of this that R Rome sacked Jerusalem. It utterly destroyed the temple and, and it became very, um, the, the suffering was immense. And so there does seem to be these kind of connecting threads. Um, I don't know if that's a direct relation to what you were saying, Benji, but that's a couple of things that I wanted to make a comment on. Yeah, I mean, um, I think everything that you just said was, was spot on. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, Allison or Jason? Oh, I, I definitely think it's connected. <laughs> I didn't think about that before, Jason. <laughs> But I do think it's connected and, you know, you can look at it from a different perspective in the here and now and talking about us carrying our cross. If, if we choose not to, and we have children, um, we can see outcomes in our children's lives. And I can speak into this because my children are grown and that um, I can see um, where, because I chose not to follow, not to walk, not to carry my cross, that my children suffered for it. But there is always grace for that too. And I think mm -hmm. that's the beautiful thing, Benji speaking into, you know, it's here for you mm. whenever you yeah. decide it's here. Yeah. Uh, um, I just, again, I look, all I have are, are my experiences and um, I just continue to think about what Jason was saying. Cause I, I could see that in the church that I attended as a matter yeah. of fact, the church that I go to now, it's funny you know, in the hospital, just spending the hours and the days reading scripture and praying. I mean, I cut out of everything else. Um, it, it's, it's, I, the pastor now at our church from our community, it's funny, he, after AC passed, I continued to meet with him to eat breakfast. And it's a first Baptist church. And I remember sitting down with him and I would tell him, man, you're, you're awesome. I'll, thank you for spending this time with me, but I'm not a Baptist. I'm not. <laughs> so I'm sorry that you sit here and buy me breakfast and I don't go to your church that, that I then <laughs> get up from here and go to another church, but I'm not a Baptist. And mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was and I still don't. I know I love Jesus and I know what Jesus has done in my life. Um, and I don't want to put him in a box. Um, and, you know, he saved my life, but it's interesting because now I am a, a member of this church, but I still don't consider myself a Baptist. I consider myself a, a follower and a lover of Christ. And had I carried or not carried my cross into that hospital with my daughter, she would have died with no hope. And I would have come out of there with no hope. And I would have come home from my other smallest daughter with no hope my wife, no hope, but now he's, God's turned, turned, turned me upside down and it's the upside down kingdom.
that's all I can say. And I've, you know, I can read the Bible and pray and, and share all these stories and stuff. Um, but I, I've just seen it in my life and I couldn't imagine going through what I'm going through right now with this family. If I didn't have really, I don't have the cross to carry. He carried it already. It's yeah. done. You know, well, it's, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I was going to say the um, it's, it's interesting. I, I recently went to a, uh, a celebration of life for an old friend of mine. Uh, it was a great celebration of life because he wasn't dead yet. Uh, that, that, it was it was like the best celebration of life I've ever been to. He's, he's uh, 80, 86 or eighty nine. I don't remember how old he is, but um, but he's gonna die. He he has Parkinson's and he's 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 got uh, he's got the beginning of Parkinson's and he knows he's gonna die. And he's a Catholic priest, and um, you know it, it's interesting uh, coming from a different worldview and becoming good friends with a Catholic priest and, and attending mass and, you know, not taking, uh, what's it called when you, when you take the, the body the of Eucharist. Christ, the I mean, Eucharist, that was it. Like, not, you know, always the guy there that's like, yeah, it's, it's not for me. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but finding peace in what they do and finding good lessons in the stories they tell. And, um, and better have, having a better understanding of religion, by and what religion means to people by 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 meeting with this person talking to this person and and he and i would go to um to a coffee shop we go to two-story coffee in athens on a on a regular basis when i when i lived there and uh, it was interesting because there were always a lot of evangelical christians there and he was the, the catholic it was like the catholic priest and the jewish atheist sitting in the middle of uh, of a bunch of evangelical students uh it was um we always got into some very interesting conversations. Um, and maybe this, this is just like, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to, to relate it back to carrying the cross. Uh, I wonder maybe if this was a little bit of him carrying his cross, mm-hmm. but meeting with people like me and having sometimes heated discussions about, about the kind of things that we were talking about today. Um, but I think that, that getting back to it, what I was trying to say is that you, it, it comes back to what Benji was saying. It's about people. And uh, at least from my worldview, it's about people that, that you can be a, ba- a Baptist preacher. You can be a Catholic priest. You can be a Jewish atheist. You can be whatever these things are, but you can still connect to one another and you can still have great relationships and you can still gain understanding from different people's worldviews and different people's experiences and, um, and have better understanding of your world and yourself and other people through those things. Yeah. I, I got to go here in a second, but I want to finish this up. So I, um, there's an IT director at my work. He was a, really really incredible guy and he was really struggling when my daughter passed away and he kind of followed our story um because we were putting it on caring bridge for people to pray for us and finally i got a email from him one day he just said hey benji he just said i man i just think it's incredible your faith and your family's faith and what you've, what you've been through and what you're going through. And he goes, Hey, that's all well and good. That's, that's for you. He's like, you know, I'm an IT guy. So I kind of just, you know, kind of time, space and matter. And just, you know, I have to see something 
um, to really completely understand it. And I believe it. And I just told him, we'll call him John. I said, John, I said, that's fine, man. I said, you got a big heart and you're full of love and that's got to come from somewhere and you can't see it, but God is using you in so many ways because if he wasn't, you would not give a flip about me or my daughter or my family and what we're going through. Mm. And um, that's the other side of people. Man, we all have something in common. Like Jason said, we all care. We all do suffer. We hurt when we see people suffer. There is something that gets us to the table of the Jewish atheist, the Southern evangelical, the Catholic priest. There's something that brings us together. And, um, you know, every now and then we just got to lay down and figure out what is that thing? So, yeah. So I let me get start wrapping it up here. Um, Allison and Jason, I'll give you final words. Um, uh, Allison, what, uh, what do you have to say to us as we wrap up here? Well, first of all, just, um, I appreciate being a part of this conversation and sitting here with you and all of you and learning from you. And, um, you know, I think the bottom line for me is that in, in my own life, um, I hit the very bottom, um, about 15 years ago, 14 years ago, and had grown up in church, Benji, like you thought I was a Christian, but was living a life that was very far from anything like that. And, um, probably wasn't a very nice person, <laughs> but, 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 uh, I, it, it was that point about 14 years ago where I was suffering the most in my life. Mm. I had, I was literally devastated at loss in my life. And, um, it's when I started really, um, seeking to know the truth, you know, instead of, a religion and church and all of that. Yeah. And that is when I really um, kind of began to understand the, the depth of the love for each one of us as people and that we're, you know, formed in, in God's image. And so, so that, that led me on that journey. And I, and my devastating moment was a divorce and, um, and I really loved the person, but I had so much shame for things that had gone on um, in my life previous to that marriage and during that marriage. And I just want to say that through 14 years of seeking to understand the depth of love that God had for me and how to be loved and how to love, I don't even know how it happened. I can't explain mm -hmm. it to you. But what I can tell you is through providential circumstances, my husband and I were brought back together after all those years. That's awesome. And we have a fantastic relationship, unlike anything we ever had, either one of us with anyone else or together. And I tell you, that is the faithfulness for me of who God is 
and how God can work through all our pain and show us um, through it. Because I know, I know how much I hurt. Like Benji, I mean, I, I couldn't get out of the bed for 10 days. I could barely go outside. <laughs> and I really haven't been able to openly talk about it, you know, in a forum with even men present for not that long. And um, I wouldn't be able to do any of that without really realizing that there was a gift given to me and that I don't have to, I don't have to carry those burdens anymore because I have a better life now. And I don't mean it because I do it. I mean, yeah, clearly there are choices I make, but um, I just wanted to share that with you. It's been sitting on my heart when Benji started t telling his story. And I felt like, you know, to be able to share this with each one of you and then with whoever listens to the podcast that God is a redeemer and it is in our personal experiences and our lives. And it's more about love and love of people and um, showing that through grace and uh, than it is about religion. For me, uh, yeah. I love the Lord. I, I go to a Baptist church, not by choice. Um, <laughs> I've never done that in my life and I'm doing that right now, but I'm not a Baptist either. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm the follower of Jesus. I love him and it's from my heart. So thank yeah. you. Jason, you got an open invitation to two Baptist churches, my friend. We're, we're not all bad and we're not all Baptist. Right. <laughs> I, so, I'm going to give Jason the final word. So yeah, close yeah. us out. So I, I, I don't, did Benji get to go already? I thought it was Allison. Then, well, I think Benji, do you, you want to share anything? I'll tell you what, I, let, I, let me go and then let Benji finish yeah, because that, I feel like ben, Benji's, Benji's delivery is so moving. And, and I think that, that he should he should wrap this thing up. Um, okay. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually share a piece that that's the similar getting back to carrying cross that's that's in some ways similar to what Allison's story was um, about uh, eleven years ago now. Uh, my life was so good, y'all. It was so good. I was uh, I'd been with somebody for six years at that point. She and I were talking about getting married. Um, my, um, my business was doing pretty good. You know, it wasn't, everything wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good. I was, I was living on, um, 60 acre blueberry farm. Oh, um, wow. I, things were, you know, like things weren't perfect, never is, but man, it was pretty good. <laughs> and, uh, in one day, uh, <laughs> on September 11th, actually 2009, mm. Uh, I got my car to go to uh, to Norcross. Actually, I got I was in the back seat of a car with a bunch of coworkers going to Norcross, Georgia, for a meeting, and um, we got into a terrible car accident. Mm -hmm. And the two people in the front seats were fine, and I was in the back seat. And we uh, we ended up t-boning into the median at about seventy mm -hmm. miles an hour, and the median came through the through the body of the car, through the frame of the car, through my seat, and hit me in the back. Mm. and uh, broke my spine in nine places, broke my pelvis in half, uh, both lungs collapsed, heart damage, kidney damage, 
liver damage, massive internal bleeding oh, and, and brain damage. And I was, I was in a coma for weeks. Um, I had, um, uh, and it, 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 it started the worst time of my life. Mm. The, the woman that I was with, we ended up breaking up, not getting married. Um, we ended up in, in a, in a horrible fashion. And don't, by the way, this is not a speaking to her. I, I don't, um, when you have brain damage, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a lot of senses that people have that you don't realize you have. There's a lot of things that, that, that you do that you don't realize that you do. And, uh, and when all of a sudden you don't have those, those skills and those things, those, those, the senses anymore, it can really affect the way that you inter inter interact with people. So it, this is never a, a statement towards her. Like this was sure. just a situational thing that happened, but I was, so after this accident, I was heartbroken. I was, I was cri uh, crippled, but mentally. So I was, um, I, you know, I, I had been an athlete for a long time and I was no longer that either. And, uh, and then with this, this issue, my, my business fell apart as well. My business just about went broke. Um, I went just about went broke. My business just about went under, but it was like, you ever squeeze a watermelon seed and like you squeeze <laughs> it hard enough and all of a sudden it pops out oh, okay. into somewhere yeah. else. It just, and it takes that pressure. And by the way, so, so this pressure happened when the girl that I'd been with, she, this was a few, this was a month, a year, year and a half after, after this accident, um, she was getting married to somebody else and she was, she was engaged and she was getting married. My dad, um, got, uh, really, really sick and he was in a hospital and he was, uh, he didn't die, but he was, uh, in the process of dying. He, um, made, made it through by the skin of his teeth. Um, my business was failing and I, I had a heart condition from the accident that put me into the hospital. All of these things came just my whole life just fell apart. And I ended up going into that, that pressure squeezed me into something that I never ever would have been had the strength to do by myself. It, it squeezed me into this amazing life where I got to become the CEO of this world changing company where I got to go travel the world and meet some of the most amazing people. Some of the most amazing people I think are out there. I got to, to hang out with billionaires in, in Bali. I got to go, go motorcycle across foreign countries. I got to, do, I got to go live abroad and, and have the most amazing experiences. And, and it was because of this pressure. It was because of this thing. And that brings me back to this, this carrying this cross that all of those things happen and you, you deal with this pressure of this cross and it makes you a better person. It makes you better than you ever could be. The hard things are what makes you good. It, it'll make you good. It, it's, it, it gives you the compassion and the understanding, the understanding to have compassion in ways that you never had before. And I think... Mm -hmm. If I was going to wrap up this, this piece on this verse, I think that that would be that those kinds of things are the greatest gift that you would never want anyone else to have because you would never want them to suffer the way you suffered 
but it has, it makes you a person that you could never be without it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Very well said. And, um, that's amazing that you survived that. And thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, what you call pressure, I call the providence of God, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you're, you're, you're different than some of my other atheist friends. See, look at that. We put everybody in a box as, as people, right? And we shouldn't, we shouldn't. Um, but I go back to what you were saying about your Catholic priest friend, the celebration of life. Um, and you said, you know, he was dying. Well, <laughs> we're all dying <laughs> right now as we sit here um we're we're dying and you know through suffering the way through suffering is with hope and we all want these tangible things and i can tell you right now that for me and again it's all you know we all say that perspective shapes reality but it's reality that shapes our perspective and i just think that even through, through Jason's story here, there's, there's, there's a lot of hope in you, man. There's a lot of um, joy that comes through to, from you. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share all that today because I needed to really have a conversation like this with somebody that um, isn't living in the same box with me. And I think it just makes me realize how similar we all are, and that we're all searching for that thing. And the thing that I found for me was, was Jesus, was God's love. And um, through that, my daughter found it. And at the end of the day, as the Apostle Paul said, all right, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And that's each and every day, each and every morning, that's what gets me up because it's that cross that Jesus hung on voluntarily. They didn't listen. They didn't murder him. Had there been an insurrection and he was murdered or hit by one of those stones, none of it would have mattered. But the fact that he gave up his life for us, for my daughter, that's how I can get through childhood cancer because he died for her. And I know what's on the other side of that cross. And so that's where my hope comes from. But I really appreciate the conversation today. It was not what I was expecting. Jason sent me a completely different passage. So I was, I was <laughs> out of sorts here. Um, but it's been, it's, it's been a blessing. It really has. And I appreciate yes. everybody sharing and, and the time for us to, to share our faith. And I look like I'm in the witness protection program so I'm having a, to get closer. But thank you guys so much. I I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Share Life. For additional stories and systems to live better and work smarter, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. We look forward to having you listen in on the next episode of Share Life.